Now entering Nerdist.com. It's the Nerdist Writers Panel on the Nerdist Podcast Channel. Ben Blacker talking writing with writers. Writers talking writing can get pretty exciting. The talk can be lightning. It's very, very frightening. Ben Blacker talking writing with writers. Yeah. All right. Here's what I was saying. <laughs> uh, Adam F. Goldberg's here. Thank you for being Hello. here. Hello. Thanks um, for having me. I, so I was saying, I was looking at your IMDb page, and your stuff, like, yeah, you, you did Fanboys, and I know, you know, we'll definitely talk about that, because people love to talk about that, and um, some of the other feature stuff, but, like, there's so there's such an array of material on there, from Community, most recently, but other sitcom stuff, but also, like, a lot of kid stuff, mm-hmm. which I thought was really neat, um, and, and having worked in both myself... Right. Uh, I, I feel like I'm glad there's finally someone here who can say there's not a lot of difference. Writing is writing. Absolutely. Well, I think the kid stuff for me is just comes – I just like to keep writing. Mm-hmm. And I've ha- been fortunate enough to know um, you know writers that I've worked with on various shows or whatever go and do an animated show. Um, uh, so Word Girl was one. Yeah. That's a PBS show. Uh, I have kids. Uh, they were familiar with the show. <laughs> so uh, no, and kids love Word Girl. Yes, I, they love I met Word those Girl. Guys who created it uh, last year and like they were like we're celebrities to kids. Yeah. I wrote a Muppet movie. I, I wrote on a show called Still Standing. It was my first job. Mm. I was I worked on it for four years. And one of the writers, Tom Martin. Uh, while we were on that, he had written a Muppet movie. So I would always harass him because that was like my dream was to write a Muppet movie. And he, he had it in there. So we actually pitched and wrote The Muppet Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Um, so I did that with him. And then he went on to run Word Girl, um, I think, the last couple seasons. So he had kind of pulled a bunch of the writers yeah, from Still Standing onto Word Girl. And just we would go in and just pitch fun stuff. It's re- the best thing about animation is that it's really the only time where what you write kind of appears on the sure. screen. Um, the only other time was I did a movie called They Came From Upstairs, which was retitled Aliens in the Attic, sure. which was written before the strike. So they literally didn't have a writer to work on it. So that movie is kind of close to what I wrote. But it's nice. Um, I also worked on Voltron. My friend Todd ran that. Uh, that was also another dream. I um, always wanted to pitch on the movie. And That's I'm funny. a comedy writer, so uh, I don't know how interested they'd be. But, <laughs> right. uh, so he was doing the animated show. So I was like, you know, I said to my agents, I have to write a Voltron. And they're like... Of all the things, why? Why a Voltron animated show? Can't you go write a movie or something? So I did that, um, which was awesome. And again, what kind of was on the page finally, like, you know, was translated to the screen, which is nice. Otherwise, there's so many writers involved. Even on my own show, Breaking In, you know, I had a, a staff. And they were all so talented and gave so much. By the end of the day, it's it's even if it's my show, there there's episodes where it's like, yeah, I really had nothing to do with that one. I was <laughs> sure. editing during that one, or yeah. um, well, I it's was the nature set. of the collaborative process. Yeah, of exactly. This, of TV, and I, I don't know. Um, let's let's talk for a second about mm-hmm. this animation stuff. Is the reason it it is so close to the script because you really kind of have to direct on the page because you're giving it to animators? Um, I think that just I think. For animation, it's such a machine that Tom or Todd, who are running those shows, have so much to do. They're responsible mm-hmm. for everything that it's like if they just get something that's good. In TV, you just have this n- desire to just tinker and tinker and tinker. For animation, it has to go off and be animated. So yeah. they, uh, I think if they get a script that they like, they're like, great, this is fantastic. I'll do a tiny little pass, send it off, let them animate it and put it on the air because I, I have other stories to break. And, right. and uh, they know so many in they a do year. So many. Yeah. Um, and I've also done animated features. I worked yeah. on uh, How to Train Your Dragon for like a year and a half or two years. Oh, no kidding. So that was an awesome experience. And then they 
uh, they put me onto the um, how to it was called How to Hatch Your Dragon, mm-hmm. which was a cri- Christmas special, and then I did a Monsters vs. Aliens special as well. Oh, so yes, I, I was saw at that's cool. I was at, over at DreamWorks Animation for like I think I'll I'll said four years just working on their different stuff, and again. Uh, I'm really impressed with them over there. Yeah. It's just they they do so much and um, they've really turned around, especially since like How to Train Your Dragon, right? With this really quali- high quality, absolutely. Stuff. Uh, and it's I'm bummed that the Guardians didn't do better. I thought mm-hmm. it was fantastic. I was, it was fun. I, I think I went to the first round table where they were just kind of batting around ideas. Um, with Joyce, I think the I the he's the kids writer who like wrote came up with the idea basically. For did, the movie. Is he the one who did the original sketches? Did you yes, see those? They're amazing, they're unbelievable. They're unbelievable. I, I don't know if they're out there, but people should try to find a, them if they are. Yeah, it's a really cool movie, and um, it's dark. And I just think you know, I, I I'm just bummed because yeah. the way they operate there, I think if they have one movie that doesn't hit for them it like puts the whole company in jeopardy yeah. so they could so it, they can only turn out one or two yeah. a year yeah. so um i you know i just i want them to do well because yeah. i think they're doing really cool stuff um tell me about your experience on how to train your dragon which i loved so much i went to a screening of it mm-hmm. um and i could not believe how much i enjoyed it yeah it's and then there was another screening like two weeks later and i told my wife like you have to come see this yeah. you're not going to believe how good it is i think i mean the thing i was i was most impressed with that movie was just how timeless it was yeah um dreamworks to me before that Shrek which I love is just all about pop culture references mm-hmm. but kind of turning that was like turning fairy tales on its ear or something right. so they would do all these pop culture references in that world I think I loved about How to Train Your Dragon was it was just timeless um, it, you know when I when I was there writing on it my my instinct was to just joke it up because mm-hmm. I thought that's what they wanted um, and and how at what uh point in the process did you come in like was this kind of a traditional feature thing where you're the third writer on yeah it, yeah. i mean uh at that point they were they were very close sticking very closely to the book which didn't really work as a movie it's a whole book series that's great but i think um when I was there, I basically was working on the movie, and then they – I think they saw that it was going to work for them. So they all of a sudden wanted to do a TV show and specials. So they basically um, took me and Kate, one of the producers, and had us do, like, the first special that they could do. So I went from working on the movie over oh, okay. to – and just – and at simultaneously, they were – it was really cool, like just watching them build a franchise was yeah, just such a cool thing because um, – and and I think that's Jeffrey Katzenberg just having a vision of like if we have something that we love we're just going to throw everything into it. Yeah. So it was just really cool to watch this franchise be built. And knowing that that was going that was building, did it change the way that you approached the material? It it yeah definitely. I mean there was um, it, like excellence was demanded. I it, hmm. like I, it was a, it was a half an hour special that I was working on, and I think outlining it took like. Eight or nine months. Wow. Constantly starting over from scratch. Um, we just were kind of like knew an area we wanted. I think a lot of other writers would have just said, you know, I can't. I'm just done. <laughs> it's been eight months. I, I can sure. only start over from scratch so many times. But it was really that they wanted it to be as good as the movie. Mm-hmm. So when we That's finally nice. settled on something, I did a bunch of drafts. And then I then at that point, I was like, I'm done. And I, I moved on to work on Breaking In and some other stuff. So Wait, were, but was Breaking In going on concurrently? Like, no, no. Or did I, this eat up all of your this, life? You know, animation takes so long yeah. that I think I was like finishing my second season of Breaking In. And oh, that okay. special was finishing up. So crazy. Um, 
yeah, it just it takes forever. And these movies take seven, six or seven years, yeah. sometimes longer. Yeah. Um, and goes, they all go through different directors. And, you know, yeah. um, I think it kind of gets to a point where they have a release date that they have to meet. And they're like, okay, whatever vision we have now is what we're sticking with. Yeah. And hopefully at that point it'll work. Right. But um, they do. I mean, they, I have a friend who's working with uh, Paramount right now mm-hmm. on an animated feature. And, like, they churn through story yeah. uh, and turn it over and turn yeah. it over until they find that thing that they, they think works. Yeah. Um, which can be frustrating, I yeah. would imagine. Yeah. No, it's really working in animation like that features. You just have to have a battery that doesn't die. Mm-hmm. And there's, a, there's a lot of writers, and I understand it. Um, like, I worked on the Jetson, Jetsons movie. was my first <laughs> big studio job. Oh, my God. Think How, that, when was that? Like, mid-90s? Um, oh, no. This was after I wrote Fanboy. So it was probably oh, 2004, sure. 2005, okay. around there, maybe. Maybe later. Um uh, and like, I think I had been writing for 15 months and at that point it was like, you kind of were like, I'm so done. I can't write a talking dog anymore. <laughs> I'm done writing Rosie, Rosie, the robot jokes. Right. So, you know, so for, for DreamWorks, my attitude was, I'm sure I'll hit that point eventually, but I was just so happy to be there. Like, huh. you know, in that environment that I was like, whatever you want, I'm just, I'll just, try and keep at it and do good work until they fire me. <laughs> Whereas for Jetsons, I was like, 15 months of this, I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready to move on. Give it to another writer, please. <laughs> you're going to anyway. <laughs> yeah, you're going you're gonna to fire me anyway. Let's just do it now. <laughs> oh, I have my um, first act. We meet George Jetson. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, uh, it's funny. The writers now doing it are the guys that wrote the Chewy script. Oh, no um, so I think it's funny. Like, I wrote Fanboys, which got yeah. me the Jetsons, and then they wrote the, the Chewy strip, which is about Star Wars, and it That's got awesome. the Jetsons. Kind of, kind of a cool. <laughs> that movie, I think that movie should be made. I don't... I, it's been, it's been um, the first George was Chevy Chase in the eighties. So they've oh been trying God. for like twenty five years, and I believe they've probably had over twenty five writers on it at this point. That's nuts. It's insane, that, and that's why features are miserable. It yeah. seems to me like it, they can just drag on and on. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I think um, the thing that's surprising me about that is it's a it's a property. Like I think people yeah. would want to see that. Yeah, um, they're always looking for like what's what's something that has you know four quadrant it has special effects it's set in space it has it's for kids it's for adults i i just don't know why they don't you know at a certain point just go this script is fine let's just make it (laughs) disappointing everyone yeah Yeah, sure of course course. um but it's and it seems like you know having to work for months and months on a a project you're both well-suited and ill-suited as a tv writer to do you know i mean was your earliest work in tv like when did still standing happen um well basically what happened was i was um when i was in college i was writing movies Mm -hmm. i went to nyu and at that time i graduated in 98 so um at that time they didn't they had one tv writing class it was like a sitcom class Mm -hmm. um i'm sure it's different now but it was basically you went there to either write plays or write movies it seemed like so i focused on movies I graduated. I had a couple scripts. They were all like my favorite movie was The Goonies. So they were all they were all like a bunch of kids banding together, going on an adventure. It's it's all I wanted to write. Um, and I had some plays that I'd written as well. Which um, so the the basically the plays is how I kind of got some attention and oh, got um, some meetings and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so were you putting up the plays? Um, I they were performed okay. like one they were performed like around the country and stuff. I was writing them in college and in high school, so that's kind of what got me my first agent. And uh, so 
Ken Freeman, who's my manager, he's, he was my agent. He's my manager now. He switched <laughs> over to be a manager at Circle of Confusion. He was sending out my like kids movies, and at that time, it was like a kids movie was like Flubber. Right. There was no like you know. I think people the scripts are fine. They're not anything <laughs> good, brilliant. They're they're like Goonies well, ripoffs. Twenty one years yeah, old. Yeah, exactly. Turn out? So they were like, "Well, do you have a Flubber? Do you have like a Robin Williams vehicle?" And I was like, "No, I have a bunch of you know eleven year olds right. running around." <laughs> so. Um, when I went, when I went, I, I met a, through a family friend, through a family friend, this uh, a Raymond. Everybody loves Raymond, writer Lou Schneider, who um, uh, who was like, "What about you're writing these movies? What about TV?" And I was like, "Well, what is that? I don't even know what that means. Like, how do I be a TV writer?" And he's like, "You write a couple like samples, and then they read them, and if they like them, then they'll meet with you." Which just seemed so much easier to me. Because right. it's like I know the characters, I know how, I can watch an episode and see how they structure it. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it was it just seemed like a more tangible, easier way for me to get a job. Yeah. Um, so again, it's the business is different now than it was in 2000, right. uh, 13 years ago. But I ended up getting my a meeting uh, on Still Standing, and they had teenage kids on on the show, and the shows on the time were Yes, Dear, and King of Queens, and Raymond. So. Anytime we seemed to pitch a, a marriage story, they would go, Raymond just did that. So the kids, uh-huh. the teenage kids was the only difference. So I think my bosses saw that, you know, I was like 23 and I was a huge nerd and that's how I pitched myself to them. I'm like, your kid on your show is a nerd, Brian. That's great. So I can, you know, let me tell you some stories from when I was a kid. So they hired me and that's basically all I did on that show was kind of pitch <laughs> nerd stories. There was one about Magic the Gathering, a father and son oh, bonding thing. God. And we did some really good kind of geeky stuff but that's when I realized that that was kind of like where I what I was enjoying writing most and where I was finding success was like writing about nerd stuff <laughs> so that's how Fanboys came about um, on, when, on my final year on the show I wrote that movie with some friends from college um, Ernie Klein wrote the original uh, draft to, to make in Austin, Texas, clerk hmm. style, and the script had been kind of just lying around and uh, Kyle Newman who was my friend from NYU and um and myself and uh, and Matt and Kevin, the producers, we all just were like, can we try and take this and make it a big studio movie? <laughs> so with Ernie's blessing, we kind of moved ahead and did that. And it's and that was all really, really great for all of us. It so was like, did you guys just jump in and rewrite it? I mean, was it, was yeah, it so I mean, indie that it, it was had to like, take a major I mean, rewrite? All, all the characters were there. I mean, like Ernie really... I'm just really impressed with him. I don't know if you've ever sat down and talked no. with him, or he wrote Ready Player One, oh, okay. um, which is a phenomenal book. Yeah. And you know, he basically had the idea of just starting his career by doing a Clerks type. Let's shoot it with my friends, and mm-hmm. he didn't have the resources to go to Lucas Ranch or anything <laughs> like that. So, what? What? Yeah, this script kind of existed as a sample for him to start his career, and we were like, let's make, let's retell Star Wars. You know, let's have them go to a cantina. Let's, you know, put them in the trash compactor room. Let's. So we, um, when I worked with Kyle, you know, I, I think we did draft for like nine months. Wow. Um, and and the producers giving me notes, and it was definitely a collaborative effort. And um, when that finished, I gave it to my agents, and they were like, "Oh wow." They were very surprised. Um, I don't think they ever thought it would be made. I think they were just excited that I had a good sample, you know, that uh, with my writing that could that what didn't have a bunch of kids in it, mm-hmm. but it had adults. So Ken was like, "Oh well, we can send this out and try and get you some work." Oh, that's um, great. funny. <laughs> so, and then yeah. how did it eventually come to get made? Like, whose attention did it get? Um, 
And I'm sure this is all well-trod, so no, you can I'm, tell you the know, short version. I, I know Ernie's talked about it a lot. I, I've never really talked about how it – I mean, it was like a crazy – you would hear like this weekend Spielberg's reading it. Like it just it got be, out yeah. It just got out there. I think at the time there wasn't a ton of like Star Wars – there was like some fan films, mm-hmm. but there wasn't really that crossover. Mm-hmm. Um, this was before Family Guy was doing yeah. their stuff. and it, Robot it, Chicken. It, Robot Chicken. Those, it, yeah. So I think it was a, the perfect timing. Um, it was just a good – it was like – People responded, you know, the executives who were reading the script were Star Wars fans yeah. and kind of some of them were my age and grew up on Star Wars. But it also was a drama. It mm-hmm. wasn't a comedy, really. It was yeah. about a guy with cancer. So I think it was this nice – it was Stand By Me with Star Wars, which I thought was – I think was interesting to them. Mm-hmm. Um, Harvey eventually – Harvey Weinstein eventually bought it. It was like very close at DreamWorks, like okay. inches. Um, and Harvey basically came and just said – We'll give you $4 million. You guys can do it. Uh, we, you know, Kyle hadn't directed. He had done like a tiny little in, indie movie. And I think for us, that was like, yeah, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, that You we, wanted to maintain that Yeah, we can maintain it. Kyle can direct it. Yeah. There was a version where they fired Kyle as the director and got somebody else. And huh. we just wanted it to be like our little thing. Oh, that's um, that's and, great. Uh, it's amazing that it worked out, too. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, Harvey, you know, was the one who stepped up and like, gave us that power but he was the, also the one who ended up firing all of us and hiring someone else to Jesus. do reshoots so we got the opportunity but it definitely isn't the movie we wanted I don't know if mm-hmm. you know any of that but they fired us all no I didn't know they any brought of. in another director to make it a comedy basically because we had you know Seth Rogen and Jay Baruchel and Kristen Bell we had these great actors yeah. and Harvey had saw a bunch of Judd Apatow movies all super bad and um and knocked up, I think, mm-hmm. came out at the same time. So he was like, I want this to be one of those kind of movies. Just really big trailer, funny trailer moments, take out the cancer. <laughs> so there was a lot of reshoots and futzing with the movie. Um, and ultimately, we got it back because the fans um, wanted uh, – we had already screened it a couple times for fans. Interesting. To, to so success. they were even doing reshoots after – it was all it was all assembled. Um, and beyond that's crazy. Beyond. Yeah. And some of the reshoots are in there. Um, there's a couple things I like actually better, mm-hmm. just because they uh, probably I would say on the reshoots they spent two to three million dollars. Our whole movie was four million dollars. So, <laughs> um, so they had money for the reshoots. Right. Uh, they they had a Danny McBride. They brought in Danny McBride to do like a little cameo, which I really enjoy. I thought he did <sighs> so a good strange. job. Again, it was shot over the strikes. It was all imp- improved, and he was hilarious. Oh wow. Um, at the time, the actors were like, "Who is this guy?" Huh. Uh, they, I don't, and I'm like, "Oh, he's going to be huge. He's really <laughs> funny. He did the foot fist way. It's really good." But they were like, "Okay," but it's really funny to watch it now because you're like, "Oh, Danny McBride. Right. Wow, he's a <laughs> fanboy. Who knew?" <laughs> so strange. But it's also it's interesting that like despite these reshoots. Uh, you couldn't change them. They couldn't change the nature of the movie. The movie wanted to be what it wanted. Well, to yeah, be. they you know they screened um, the new version and uh, they took out the cancer and they just made it really kind of wild and zany and it just didn't. I think it that version there's merits to it. It's just not what we wanted to sure. do, and it's I don't think it's what the fans wanted, which was really interesting. They did a whole email campaign. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I remember reading about this yeah, at the time, and they which really worked. I mean, Harvey was basically like, "Look, it's a four million dollar movie." 
I don't understand it, and I it's fine. I I don't need like I don't do these kind of movies. Right. Uh, he does the artist. <laughs> you know, he goes to festivals and scoops up good right. movies. It's it's just he he was like I'm not a comedy guy. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, which was cool that he could say that. Yeah. Um, and I think at the end of the day, he was like, look, I don't know, I don't get the Star Wars thing. I don't get the geek culture. It's <laughs> it's fine. Like just take it back. And uh, he was like, can I want to be Jedi? Jedi Weinstein. I don't want to be Darth Weinstein. He got that's that. Hilarious. So it was kind of it was kind of funny. <laughs> that's um, what he took from it. <laughs> yeah, that's what he took from it. He literally said in one of the meetings, which was kind of hilarious because there was so much emailing to, to the Weinsteins and it was like blowing up their inboxes. He sat us down. He goes, "Can you turn off the internet?" <laughs> it was awesome. He he's a, such a fascinating character. Like yeah. I feel like everything I've heard about him, good and bad, is true. Yeah, like he just pretty contains multitude. Pretty much. Pretty much. That's wild. Yeah, he's. Um, I mean, it's it's interesting because he had the vision to like. There's something here. Mm-hmm. I don't understand it, but I'm going to give them a chance, and that's what he does. But like yeah. Tarantino and Rodriguez, it's like that's what he does. I think. Um, he just saw an opportunity, which I don't blame him, to sure. really make money. Right. The business side of the, him yeah. understood that this Apatow thing makes money, yeah. and I have some of those people. I think if he had just let us kind of do our thing, it would maybe wouldn't have made that much in the theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, again, we were a $4 million movie, but I think the afterlife would have uh, been yeah. a little bit bigger. Than yeah, it is that now. makes sense. Maybe that makes sense. people would have found it and liked it and... Yeah, we would be doing a Kickstarter right now for fanboy sequel. <laughs> for fanboy too. <laughs> um, so I was saying when when we sat down, uh, the reason I asked you here is I loved your pilot. Thank you uh, for this year, um, the Untitled Adam Goldberg. What, yeah. It has a title now, I presume. Well, we're still we don't know. We don't know. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's it, I sold it. How the fuck am I normal? Oh, that's right. And then <laughs> I, they changed it to how the, how the hell am I normal or just how am I normal? Right. And uh, Paul Lee wants to call it the Goldbergs. Uh-huh. Uh, which, which is, I think, an, a really cool idea because it's it's my story growing up. Mm-hmm. But my family is a little weirded out by that, understandably, because they're like, "You look, you named us our names, but we didn't that sign on. We, like, if if their name is like something different, the Golds, like, right. I could just say, well, that's not us. That's a TV version of us. Right. But if you're naming me Barry Goldberg <laughs> or or Murray Goldberg or Beverly, that's me. Yeah. Um, and then. If even if I didn't do any of these things, people are going to go associate me with that. So it's understandable. Yeah. So we don't have a title now, <laughs> but yeah, I um, uh, after breaking in uh, went down in flames. Uh, we um, <laughs> twice, <laughs> twice, no, three times, <laughs> three uh, times, three really? times. I, it, it with Family Guy holds the records for the most cancellations. Oh my Our God. third time, like half the cast was just gone on other shows. Right. Um, but uh, <laughs> so after that went down, I always I work with Doug Robinson at Happy Madison. He runs our TV mm-hmm. department, and and um, when I had my first meeting with him. I brought up these videos I had from when I was a kid, oh, um, and he was like, "Oh, that's a TV show," and that's what any TV producer says, of course. But over, the, I've done like six pilots with him oh, wow. over the years, over the past six years. I would do one a year, and he would always go back to that one and say, "We had, we need to do your Wonder Years family show," huh. and I just, um, I just was like, I just don't know how to do it yet. I just I'm not. I don't know the way in, uh, and I he claims it took me having kids and having a family to really <laughs> understand. Um, how to do it right. So basically what I – the way I sold it was I, I – when I was a kid, I was a huge nerd. So I filmed everything. We had a huge like clunky R- RCA mm-hmm. camera and um, my brothers were seven and nine years older than me. So I was basically alone. So me and my neighbor would just make movies all day long and I would film everything. I 
and I had like hundreds of tapes. And my family is really loud and dysfunctional. So when my brothers would come home or we'd go on vacation or just at the dinner table, I would set up my camera. My dad had a really bad temper, so I'd set up the camera on a tripod and just anno- and call him in. <laughs> You'd bait him. And just bait him and just get him to yell at me and then look at the camera and laugh and give the thumbs up. So I edited oh together God. this three-minute clip of just my family melting down, screaming. There's one Thanksgiving where my one brother calls us all hook-nosed Jews. It's it's classic. Uh, it's so awesome. Amazing. <laughs> so that's how I, I went around all the networks. And I'm like, I want to do a family show about the 80s. Um, kind of the concept is that, you know, now the world is so is like everyone's connected. If you hate your family, you're like, well, I'm going to go and find a blog that I like and be, right. email this guy and become friends with them. And I don't need you people. I can go on <laughs> Facebook and have my own family. So back then it was just like your family was your family, mm-hmm. you know, so your town was small. Um, That's a great way of framing it, though. Yeah. I mean, keeping it so insular in that way. Absolutely. And, and it's, it's just the wonder. So I, I showed this video. I'm like, That's. <laughs> That's the characters, you know. That's my dad what I yells a lot. Grew up with, <laughs> yeah. You know, my mom's overbearing. My dad yells a lot. Um, my, you know, my my brother's a complete spaz. So that's how I, I sold it to all the networks that way. And um, at the end of the day, it ended up at ABC. And and uh, and yeah, I'm really proud of it. This is the one bullet in the chamber I always had, mm-hmm. and I think it was good timing. And I waited long enough to know how to do it right. Sure. And I mean, I, I'm, you must have been, as you were developing other pilots, this is in the back of your mind. You know you have this. Yeah. There was also a lot of pressure, because it's like, I have this one shot to do this thing, and sure. I know I'll never have a video, a, a sales <laughs> tool like that again. Um, a, a buddy of mine, Jeff Yorks, is an editor, and he's always like directors are always coming to him like put together the sizzle reel, like I want to do this movie, so here's a bunch of clips and make mm-hmm. a fake trailer. Um, you know, the, I when you sell a TV show, you don't. Sometimes people actually do that. They'll more shoot, and more. Yeah, they'll shoot something on their own or with their friends. It's how they sold Always Sunny. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when you're pitching network shows, though, you don't do that. So this mm-hmm. is the only time I had a visual aid where executives can go, "Oh, I get what this is. Mm-hmm. This is I get the flavor of this family." Right. Well, and, and the video aspect is so part and parcel to the right. show, which yeah. is uh, which is a really fun take on you know the Wonder Years, or it also has this fun Malcolm in the Middle vibe. Right. Yeah, I think um, I think. The thing about Mal- – God, I love Malcolm in the Middle. It's one of my favorite shows. <laughs> the the thing I'm gonna that's going to be hard with a show like this is you have a single camera. So you want it to be funny, but you also want it to feel real. Uh, Modern Family is so impressive because somehow they've managed to stay grounded. Mm-hmm. It the thing o- gets so cartoony, yeah. but it still generally yeah. feels grounded. I mean, Malcolm, to me, like that first season was so good, and then by the end, you watch it, and it's just a different show. Yeah. It's it's so cartoony. So there's Even all- within the first couple seasons, yeah. it got to Yeah, that. no, because yeah. you kind of, you want to be funny, and you, mm-hmm. you throw away realness right. for big laughs. Right. Um, and they were lucky to have these great actors who yeah. could handle it. Totally. I mean, they kept things somewhat grounded. Yeah. But, I wonder, yeah, no, I wonder right. what Modern Family would be like in season eight or nine. <laughs> if it's going to be huge and broad or... or just it feels gonna, like it's going that way. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. So that that's always hard. I mean, I didn't set out... Uh, the guy who plays my dad in it is Jeff Garland. Yeah, let's talk about that for a second. Because sure. that is unbelievable casting. Yeah, I, I mean, I saw so many actors and Jeff always was like on that list of people you just make an offer Mm -hmm. when you have these when you it's a really weird thing when you're casting a tv show because any name they don't audition for you 
So you don't know what you're going to get. Christian Slater, for breaking in, we met with Christian Slater. Uh, The part was very thin because I didn't know who it was, what actor. He was kind of like this scary military type guy. We met with Slater and he's like, I just want to be cool and and have fun and carry a sword. Um, And and a little known fact about Slater is he's a huge – like geek like mm-hmm. he loves star trek and um highlander and That's so i so just funny. basically was like i'm gonna just <laughs> oh i can write this <laughs> yeah i'm like so so i went off and i did a slater draft oh, where i had him uh sitting in a kirk chair i really was like how do i get slater put him in a captain <laughs> kirk chair um but so he really defined that character do but, you let me interrupt for one yeah. second do you tend to underwrite on these pilots um, until the casting no you kind of write it in because I didn't know who that boss was. So I wrote it like, okay, he's a boss. He's got to be scary. Okay. And I'll make him like a scary military guy. He's in charge of this company. I, I just didn't really... You fill in the specifics. Yeah, that, that part someone. was definitely... We were having a hard time casting it mm-hmm. because I didn't know what it was. I totally got everybody else. Interesting. That was... So Slater was lucky. I was lucky enough that Slater saw something there. Um, but, you know, he didn't read anything till that first table read. and oh And neither did Brett Harrison. Um, and I just knew Brett would be amazing, mm-hmm. and he was, because um, I just saw I knew his other work from Reaper. But there's times where your amazing actor, your star, your movie star comes in. It's just not the right fit for them. Sure. And you're like, basically, you're like, okay, well, there goes my show. <laughs> um, so we, for the mom and dad, I knew who they had to be. And Wendy McClendon Covey from Reno and Bridesmaids, there was nobody else we wanted. Like the minute, the minute, yeah, the minute it was written, I'm like, Doug, my producer said, we've got to get Wendy. And I took a night and I'm like, you know, I thought to myself, well, is there some huge star? Mm-hmm. You know? Which is kind of, we've talked about this on past panels. Yeah. Like, that's what the network tells you to do. It's like, high huge... in the sky, whoever yeah. you want, whoever make that you want. List. Like, it, you know, who am I going to get? Right. And, and I just go, you know what? I can get. Marissa Tomei or someone like that but it's just not my mom and Wendy just everything I know of her I've seen every episode of Reno like she just is going to bring so much which she's so funny and she just has that like spirit of my mom so we went to her and she signed on right away she saw the the video was also great for the actors oh must have so she saw it and she's like I have to do this (laughs) and then um, and then for the dad we saw I think every actor in town and uh there were guys like that came in um michael rapaport came in and i loved him he was amazing Mm. i mean he loved it so much um and it was just like you i was torn because i'm like he's so good but he's just not he's just not my dad yeah i don't know what to do like yeah this must have been so complicated mentally for you (laughs) um so and also, my dad's passed away. He, my dad died like five years ago. So it was also this thing where I was kind of resurrecting him in a way. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, he gets my, he got the material. Mm-hmm. He was funny, but he just wasn't my dad. Hmm. So ultimately, um, we kept going back to Jeff Garland, and and he famously kind of was passing on a lot of stuff. Yeah. And he read it, and this goes back to the jokey thing. He read it and he called his agents. He was like, okay, I'm in. And they're like, in what? What are you talking about? He's like, I want to do it. They're like, you're going to do this? He's like, yeah, I want to do this. They were very surprised that he was just like, okay. He Jeff responded to the fact that, which is 
kind of hilarious. He was like, when he first met me, it's not funny at all. It's not funny. And that's why I love it. Yeah. He just hates, I think, this multicam, everyone joking Absolutely. every second. It's not how people talk. It's not what they do on Curb. Yeah. Well, um, you can tell he's very tuned in, like, from his movie and his performances right. in other movies. He's very tuned in to the humanity. Yes. Uh, that's what he wants to get yes. across. And, and that clearly comes across in the script. Absolutely. So I can see where he'd respond. Yeah. He, and so he just liked that it felt real. It felt like a fa- he got the family. Mm-hmm. They're a bunch of loud Jewish people <laughs> screaming at each other. So he totally got it. Um, and it's funny because he is my dad. When I hang out with him, he like it just it's like I'm hanging out oh, with my man. dad. It's he, there was no one else who could have done it. Um, but again, we're going to that table. Never heard Wendy or Jeff read, so it's so stressful. Your yeah. first table read, you're like either they're all wrong and we people start getting fired and the pilot collapses in on itself and after that first read I walked out and I was like thank god like I am the lucky you just don't know yeah, I'm absolutely like, there's a weird chemistry that yeah, has to happen it was the best table read I've ever been to was that wow. first table read because the actors were you know reading it for the first time it was just so exciting it was one of the That's best moments like ever well congratulations ever. Well, I mean, let's just put it this way. The buzz has been um, – you read all these things, the pilot panic on deadline and all that stuff. The response has been really good. Yeah. I was lucky that I had Seth Gordon directing mm-hmm. um, who he, – he he did the Breaking In show as well. Like yeah. uh, he did The King of Kong, which is one of the greatest movies ever. Yeah. And then that kind of brought him into features. So he did Four Christmases, uh, Horrible Bosses, Identity Thief. Mm-hmm. So um, – we did breaking in together. He hadn't even done bosses yet, hmm. so he was he had done one huge studio movie. Uh, so for breaking in, it was my first pilot. It was his first pilot. So we were definitely kind of just flying by the seat of our pants, not knowing what we were doing really. Sure. But he's just, I mean, he's a phenomenal director. Yeah. Breaking in, I remember, I I like that pilot a lot because it didn't feel like all the other pilots, and right. maybe that was because it was your first and his first. Yeah, it it was also the downfall of that show was that hmm. um, it wasn't familiar. It enough. just wasn't. You know, I don't. I think Fox, rightfully so, they just well, looked at this thing and they're like, "What is this?" Uh, and um, and I think the second season they retooled it to, for Kevin Riley, the president, to kind of understand what the show was a little hmm. bit more. He's like, I don't get the first season. I recognize the cast is great and people seem to like the writing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know what this is. So I want to make it an office show. This can be our version of The Office. So don't have them go out on crazy missions. Mm-hmm. Have them hang around the office and just say what they would say <laughs> in the office, not out. And so right. it didn't work. Um, that version didn't work. But point being is Seth yeah. – for my new pilot, went away in between the done horrible bosses and um, identity thief, and just came back. And we, this was our second thing together, and he just was killing it. Like every, <laughs> like the actors love him. Usually, a director, you just want them to add stuff. Like mm-hmm. you know, I think you know they have to block, do all the blocking, and have the actors move about. But every, you know, Seth was bringing so much. Let's shoot slow mo here. <laughs> what about this joke? Um, he was, he's just, it was phenomenal. And, and That's he great. knew it was important to me, an important show. So he, sure. I think he really wanted to deliver. He just did such a good job. I'm That's like, fantastic. Yeah, I, was, I can't I wait to see it. it. Um, let, let me, let's talk for a second about that second season of, um, sure. breaking in. Um, you say it didn't work. Did it not work for you as, from a writing standpoint? Uh, I think a, every, everywhere it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, and all, all, I mean, look, you know, the first, I had, I wrote a pilot, um, which was about a bunch of quirky, geeky people in an office that have a like. The pitch was they're the A team. It's A team meets the office. Mm-hmm. So every week they go out 
they have they have some crazy security job they have to do, but it's at the end of the day they're going to come back and be in the office and have an office job. So, right. um, so that first season, uh, so I, we shot the pilot and it was the highest testing Fox show that year, and they didn't pick it up. So we were like, well, you know, I was like, well, what do, you know, I did this show. What do I have to do? What do I have to do? <laughs> and then a couple weeks later. Kevin Riley called and he's like, we just keep coming back to it. We know there's something there. Hold tight. So it ended up being a mid-season show for six episodes. And I wrote a bunch of the scripts beforehand. And um, we had Michael Rosenbaum, who was so funny on it, and Slater. and all fun. We had just a great cast. They were all gelling. But um, – and we were definitely getting that community – like people like the on the community show. Mm-hmm. that we were, get, we were People were starting to notice – and posting good things, and Fox took note of that too. Hmm. Um, and then at the end, and then the show ended. We had we really had good ratings. We were on after American Idol. Mm-hmm. Um, the show fell like ten percent after the first episode, and then held there. Wow! So we were like, okay, we have good ratings. We're getting yeah. picked up, and we didn't get picked up. That's so and it was just because the the network didn't get it. Yeah, I mean, and I understand it because it course. was crazy. I mean, like, I mean, what were their comedy at the hits time? At the Raising time? Hope. Oh, okay. So it's well, like, that's not so far afield. I mean, it's still and single girl. cam and new girl. Yeah, it's just not. It's just not the. It's not. The it's same. not family. Or really, if it was paired out. with like, yeah, if it was paired with Community or right. um, Parks and Rec, Parks and Rec, uh, to it. yeah, it, or, or Happy Endings. Sure. Like, I, I feel it just wasn't what they were doing. Um, so then, so it didn't get. So it was shut down again. The actors started going on to other shows. Then Kevin called again, and he was like, "There's something here. I keep coming back to it." And so this is now the third time. So they, they we get o- Odette back for a couple episodes because she's now on House. And uh, Slater was like, I'm in. Just tell me what I need to do. He's well, the best. Um, so then we sat down with them and they're like, look, we just don't get it. We just don't get what this is. So how about making it an office show? And, and you know, we'll give Christian Slater a boss and mm-hmm. and uh, that he has to answer to. And they could still, like, d- use their skills but just do it in the office. So – you're presented with that, and you're like, "Of course, I'm going to take this shot." I mean, what what is it? Hurt? It's a series on the air. Yeah, it's a, it's something on the air. So I gave it all I could, and we it just didn't work. It's just huh. not what I set out to do, and they recognized it right away right. that it just didn't work. And what what was the writers' room like at the time, or was it really still just you kind of hanging on trying to um, pull this thing together? No, it, it was us trying to make the most of it, and yeah. and we got 13 episodes. Right. So around episode. Four or five, we are recognizing this isn't working, and at that point we were writing like eight. So I'm like, let's I'm like, let's just go back to what we were doing. And those episodes never saw the light of day. They're on DVD and <laughs> iTunes and stuff. But I did this great Star Wars episode where they have a job. They have to uh, basically Martin Starr played the ultimate. His name was Bobby Fettman, the ultimate <laughs> Star Wars fan who built a Death Star. His house is a Death Star, and they have oh to go God. in and. Um, and he has working lightsabers in his house that he built prototypes for. Uh, and they have to go in and they have to steal something. Uh, they have to. Uh, we had uh, Peter Mayhew on it, who um, Bobby Fettman stole his Chewbacca, his original Chewbacca <laughs> suit. So they have to go in and get it back for for Peter. So, oh like, I started doing that kind of stuff. Right. I did. Well, a- and when you hit that, though, did that feel like what the show should have yes, been? Yes, it whole was time? the last episode, and it's funny because online I read like people who've seen the other ones are like, God, that last episode was great. Yeah. Um, but it's what we were doing the first season. At that point, I'm like, you know, Fox has written it off. Sony's just kind of, you know. 
doing filling out the order so they could sell it internationally. Right. So I might as well have some fun. I did an episode where um, I put the Hanson brothers from uh, Slapshot on. Uh, I did a Heather's episode. Nice. Um, yeah, it was really fun. It was, well, it must have been so freeing yeah, at that I, point. Like totally. knowing it's going to get shot, yeah. too, is it, it's, it's freeing and depressing because right. you have to go into work every day knowing you're writing on a dead show and you've let everybody down uh, <laughs> that, you could, that you didn't have the goods to deliver. But also just like, hey, this episode, let's just have some fun and mm-hmm. – um, and just do some fun stuff. Were, were your writers jumping ship, or were they still locked? No, in at that I point? mean, you know, at that point, we well, look. We knew it was dead. Right. Um, they were happy. Everyone's always happy to have a job, and we were just trying to have fun. And that's, that's kind of what I said for the last couple. I'm like, let's just let's just try to make it as fun as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but you know, a lot of the writers were also my friends that I've been working with for years and sure. years. So they were like bummed for me, but also. Everyone was kind of like, "What am I going to do next? I need a job." Of course, yeah, yeah it's stressful. It's the hardest part, but of at least the work writer. isn't isn't super hard because yeah. you get to enjoy yourself. Yeah, and there's hang out um, together. one of my closest friends, Robin, has been on like for like her shows don't haven't really gone second seasons. Mm-hmm. I think she's like was seven in or eight in a row or something. <laughs> so it's like that gets soul killing after a while because you like throw everything into a show and it doesn't you know it doesn't get sure. picked up or it doesn't work. Sometimes it works and doesn't get picked up. So she's finally on the middle and just like loves it there and just. Happy to be on something that that you know is secure and and you do well on, and that right. people respond to it. Yeah, I mean, there's there's something to a happy room, yeah. you know, versus a creatively fulfilling room, right? For you know, like the it's such yeah. a strange alchemy. I mean, I I, I like I mean the thing about my rooms, I, writers who've worked with me will say maybe to a fault I'm too collaborative. Like uh, there's rooms like I let the writer assistant sit at the table. Um, and I, I give them scripts and I let them uh, pitch. And, you know, I just feel like good. they're talented. Good ideas come from anywhere. There's, you know, there's rooms where the writer assistants just take the notes and, mm-hmm. you know, patiently wait for their, their opportunity. But right. that's – I just – you know, it's kind of like a free for all. So after a while, it maybe gets a little like too. There's a lot of voices <laughs> in the room or something. But yeah, I just um, I like to definitely want to have a fun room. Well, you want to mine everybody's experiences too, right. and like sure. just because he's the writer's assistant doesn't yeah. mean his or her experiences are any less valid. Yeah. He's just lower on the totem pole. We, you know, on breaking in, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting on the new show because it's a family show. Mm-hmm. Um, on breaking in, the joke was like. That the writer, all the writers, you know, you want to get your jokes in the script and you're pitching to your showrunner and what they like. And for me, like, I had some writers who were huge, you know, Star Trek fans, Goonies fans, Back to the Future. Like, so they would pitch those jokes and they would always get in the script. (laughs) And then I had writers that hadn't, like, really knew or saw those things. So (laughs) they felt kind of lost in the beginning. And then they all, I think, went and watched those movies. Um, But uh, it'll be interesting on this family show because that's not going to be an element. And those are the jokes I love. Like, Mm -hmm. when I read a script, um, when I'm taking writers' meetings, the scripts I all, I'm, always respond to are like about ninjas like a comedy about zombies or something like that <laughs> so on this one I have to be like no I need family writers sure. like it's a different relationship thing. Yeah. Uh, sh- uh, yeah specs that show um, relationships two, two writers Stephen that, that's interesting about like specs in general like I'm always people always ask me about like what kind of specs should mm-hmm. I write and um I think what I always say is just a spec that can never be made but just hmm. the 
person reads and goes, I have to meet this person. Yeah. My friends, I uh, hired them on Breaking and Steve and Annie, who wrote on Happy Endings and Community. Um, they're now on the new Michael J. Fox show. Their, their spec was called Stern Savage about um, Daniel Stern from the Wonder Years, like, retires, and he's now, like, a book writer, and there's the voiceover from him. And Fred Savage is, like, this crazy heroin, like, <laughs> coke addict who, like, basically stalks him. It's What About Bob with Fred Savage and Daniel Stern moves in with him, and the family loves Fred, and they hate Dan. It was, it's amazing. amazing. So I read it, and I'm like, okay, we'll never be made. But, uh, but they, it's just different, and it's funny. So, uh, so those are the writers I've met on Breaking In. Like mm-hmm. all, you know, and then you read like a multicam, and it's, how can you compare like a multicam sure. to that? Sure. Um, so on this, this one, it'll be interesting. I'm going to have to fight all those urges because that's what I always respond to. Well, I mean, there's also – there is the room to play in that area. I mean, right. there is the Adam character. Right. In, true. In show, true. But yes. you know, I would imagine that's still going to come that, from you. It, it'll, it, that will – all that stuff will go into that character. Right. But, you know, I think if you look at the middle modern family, suburgatory, what's on ABC, hmm. it, those shows don't skew. They, yeah. They're very – It's not community. It, it's not community. Yeah. Um, so – I know what I'm. I have to do for that show, and it's going to be a struggle for me because that's oh, the kind of humor that I like for sure. Um, well, you'll find yourself a good yeah. writer writing staff. Yeah. Writing um, on Community confident. was like the best. I like. I just loved. Oh, it seemed like that pressed all your buttons. Right? It did. It did. And it's. It's. You know, um, I was on the last year of the year without Dan, mm-hmm. and um, I, you know, I read. A, I mean. I think there's going to be the fans that miss Dan's vision. There's fans that are just excited that the show's still on the air and they get to see Abed. Um, <laughs> you know, for me, like, it was the first time I had, like, I loved Community. I watched every episode multiple times. And it was the first time where I was like, oh, now I get to go and do it and see what it's like. It's, um, it, was, it was just so cool to be on a show where you can do anything you want. <laughs> and, um, you know, this episode, let's do a Die Hard episode. Like, mm-hmm. you never get that opportunity. Yeah. Um, because when you're writing on network television, it's, you know, you're either writing a multicam um, or you're writing, it's either a family show or a right. work show or a friends hanging out show. They're very specific. Yeah. Parameters. So it was such a good, it was really great to be on like a, a show, and a fourth year show where you could just do whatever you wanted. Mm-hmm. So cool. Do you think, I mean, Community is obviously an outlier, but do you think that that kind of show could work on network? No, I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think in Community doesn't work. It doesn't right. get ratings for them. I mean, every week it's like, you know, is it coming back or not, depending on how it does that week. We've dipped below a one to like in the point nines or sevens. We've been up to the one eights, I think, or one sixes. It's not a ratings. It doesn't get ratings for them. Right. Where, where I think it exists is on the internet with mm-hmm. fans um, and on Hulu. Um, I just don't think, I don't think a show like that um, can succeed. I mean, the closest is Big Bang. Which sure. everybody loves, um, it, but it's a multicam, right? And I think, at, and it's jokey, and it's, it's jokey, very, very it, jokey. Yeah, and so is Community is, is joking the same way, but Community is just, you know, they have every character has a doppelganger in another in another uh, reality. <laughs> right. So a Modern Family has that too. They just don't show, right? It. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> e- evil, uh, evil Modern Family characters, another right. universe. Um, I, so especially NBC is the place because I think they're trying to figure out what they are. Yeah, um, they can afford to have a failing yeah, show. Totally, <laughs> I guess. I feel bad. I mean, I, by the way, that's all my favorite comedies are NBC. Absolutely. So I just it's it's kind of I guess what people want don't really uh, what 
ratings don't necessarily translate into great comedy sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think there's also the question of, you know, the the networks are at a point where they need to reframe success. Right. You know, they're still kind of holding on to yeah. Big Bang Theory yeah. numbers, which that's going to that's the last comedy that's yes. going to get that kind of numbers. You Hopefully know? not. Hopefully not. <laughs> Hopefully not. But, but yeah, realistically. Yeah, I you know? know. I know. And the thing about those shows, too, is um, multicams are so are cheaper to make. Yeah. So those numbers with those with those budgets are just so profitable. Um, oh, absolutely. And, you know, Modern Family, too, single camera, but they're like, their hours are like 10 to 5 or something crazy. Yeah. They're like a machine over there. Yeah. Breaking in, we were there all night long. It was I would crazy. Imagine. And the community is the same way. Community is the same way. Yeah. yeah. Um, have you, since Still Standing, have you worked in multicam? Uh, I have not. Really? I have not. Purposely? No, uh, no just... Um, I was writing pilots and movies, and the pilots I wrote were just single cam, just because they're like little movies. Mm -hmm. I like multicam. It's really fun to go and see the taping and the audience going mm -hmm. crazy, and uh, it's fun to just pitch jokes all day long. Uh, I yeah, I just haven't done. It. I just haven't done it. Sure. Um, I would for sure. It's it's a little daunting for me when you're sitting down to write a pilot with like when you write a multicam, you just know you have to be funny and yeah. you have to have a good joke every couple lines. And that's, I think, why I shy away from it. Mm -hmm. And think, they don't read great either. Like no. it, it, they're really hard to read. Yeah. And when, when there is a great one, they stand out because they're legitimately funny. So I think the single cam is like a crutch where it's like, oh, it doesn't have to be totally funny. It's single. I haven't done it, but I totally would. I really like multicam. Mm -hmm. It's where I learned everything mm -hmm. is sure. those four years. Um, watching how we had amazing writers on that show and seeing how they broke stories and learning how to, you know, pitch jokes. I, yeah. I didn't know what I was doing. They must be uh, like machines for, for teaching structure too. Well, multicam is like really simple structure. Yeah. It's basically beginning, middle and end. Um, where did I, I mean, where did I learn everything? I think I learned the most from um, just writing movies and really? failing at movies. Hmm. Um, because when you write, when when you're, you know, the Fanboys movie, we were kind of framing it like Star Wars, so I had something to go off right. of. Um, but for Jetsons, like I said, those 15 months, every time I had a meeting, they're like, you're starting over from scratch. So you're like, well, what didn't work? I spent so long on this draft. What didn't work? Oh, wait, I didn't structure it correctly. Um, and then going over to Community was interesting because Dan broke out all of his episodes uh, uh, like little movies, um, like the hero's journey. Yeah. So a lot of other writers um, have gone and taken Dan's method and brought it to other shows and they do his story. Oh, they were doing it on happy endings, I think. Yeah. And, um, am I going to, I, I don't know. It's a little harder for TV cause it's so short. You have 21 minutes. Yeah. So, but for movies, um, I took that story circle that Andy was talking about and I did it for my last two movies and it works perfectly. No kidding. Yeah. Save, it's great. basically save the cat too yeah. is another great, book that's similar um yeah so. they're all just ways to frame yeah. this kind of tr very traditional yeah but i think you learn by failure because you can have that structure in that book and be looking and how do i do this but it's mm -hmm. really when you're like have a room of executives sit you down and you're like this is structured all wrong you start to go what did i do so what were some of those mistakes do you do you recall what <sighs> structural errors um, you learned from trying to think well here's the biggest one that I took away from community the most was um, so it's, it's on community they call it the goddess moment which mm -hmm. is so the character wants something basically and they try to get it 
for all of Act One and half of Act Two, and then they get it, and they get what they get what they wanted, but they they realize in that moment, Wreck It Ralph was like the best example of this. <laughs> he wants to be a hero, right? He he wants people to uh, acknowledge him as a hero, and he wants a trophy, literally this thing. Right. And he spends the whole half of the movie, first half of the movie, trying to get it, and he gets it, and he's sitting alone in that dark apartment at the roof, and no one's there, and the machine's going to be shut down, and he literally goes, it's not what I wanted, or it's not what I thought it would be. It's what I wanted, but it's not what I thought it would be. So then they realize, well, okay, what I wanted wasn't what what I needed. Mm-hmm. So then they're like, okay, that movie was about a hero isn't an item. It's it's like being being a good person mm-hmm. and doing the right thing. And that's what he needed to learn. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about a thing. It was about like a, a personal journey. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, those were the – most of the mistakes I made were not including that moment. Hmm. Um, and when I started to put that moment in the movies or in a TV show, um, that's when – that's when like it really everything start fully started clicking can you can you recall that instance from say your community uh, like well in every community episode we tried to hit all of those moments mm-hmm. so hopefully they all have them in there and even if they didn't the writers would make excuses well this is really this moment uh <laughs> to try and kind of because we'd be all there all night trying to figure it out <laughs> um like the last movie i did was um a uh was the Flat Stanley, it's a kid's book. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I don't know if you've ever gotten one. The oh, kids sure. cut out the thing. You take a photo yeah. with it. And we broke out. Me and I wrote it with a guy, Chris Bishop, and uh, we work frequently together. And we broke out our whole story. And I was on Community at the time. And I'm like, we need a goddess moment. And we didn't have it at all when we were breaking it out. And, uh, and so that's – we kind of redid our whole story to get that moment. So this guy wow. – so that's – and and that – script was really well received because we had hit all the beats we needed sure. to if i didn't do that i'm sure i would have gotten notes mm-hmm. that kind of said that but without saying it like right. it they just know what was missing, right it but... just feels like in the middle of the movie where it's we're not we're it's feeling episodic we're not we're missing this some character thing um but we had it in there so very the notes we got were minimal for the oh. first time in my career <laughs> which was like you know just work on this little thing or this joke it wasn't like huge structural problems whereas the jetsons you know beginning of my career it was like you know sit down let's roll up our sleeves here we wow. go i'm writing a new outline oh, brutal that is brutal <laughs> but you know happy to do it sure just happy to have that opportunity <laughs> um and on a big movie but right. yeah it's just you i just didn't you know, it's it's yeah. Like I said, it's the failures where you're like, oh, now I'm rewriting, and I realize I missed this moment the mm-hmm. first time, and it really <clears throat> set the whole script in a off in a bad way. And it's amazing that there's like we we react sort of viscerally to when that story works, when we are right. hitting all of those beats. Yeah. Like we we know in our guts, you know, right. as a reader or as a writer. Uh, that's that's very interesting, and, right. and I look forward to seeing what comes next. Yeah. Um, before we wrap up, what sure. what are you watching on TV? Is there stuff that's getting you inspired? Um, I'm watching The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, I had Dish Network, so we didn't. Get, I didn't. I missed I like know, four episodes, <laughs> and then it came back on. They settled their dispute, yeah. and I was like, "Well, I can't start it now." Four <laughs> episodes in, so now um, I'm watching. Someone gave me nice. the DVD, so I'm watching them all in order. Really enjoying them. Uh, I'm watching that. I'm trying to think what comedies I watch at Parks. I watch Parks every week. Um, I still watch The Office. I'm sticking mm-hmm. with it this final season and They're enjoying doing some it. Fun stuff, really cool. I love introducing all of the the camera people and mm-hmm. that the show is on. The show that we were seeing is on. I think yeah. that's really interesting. Um, still watch Big Bang every week. 
I'm trying to think what else. Um, yeah, I. Uh, we talk. You know, a lot of comedy writers we talk to don't watch a lot of comedies, so I'm I'm surprised to hear it. Um, I there's a couple that I hit. I, I you know I really loved Fringe and all those mm-hmm. kind of shows. I've been watching Revolution and, I, you know, uh, yeah. I just watched <laughs> Serenity, uh, the Serenity movie, and that brought me back to oh, watching fun. the series, the Firefly series yeah. again. I've seen that like a billion times. Um, yeah, so you know, I I really like the genre stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, never gotten into Game of Thrones. Because I didn't have HBO, and again, it was like you know I missed the first season, so I just got the DVD. So I'm excited to dig into that. Yeah, it's right up your alley. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, like all the genre stuff, really miss cool. Fringe. That was like my favorite show in really? the last five years. I yeah, I awesome. could not get into it. I'm told I had a friend who was working on it who was like just starting the second season. Yeah, uh, so I have to sit down. And it was just give the it most impressive thing about that show is like every year it was a completely different show. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. Completely different, like in, in a good way. Too, in a good way, here. Yeah. So yeah, really cool. applaud those writers. Yeah, definitely. Um, nice. Well, that's great. And congratulations on the Thank pilot. Thank you. Hopefully, um, it'll see the light of day, and then this, this, uh, and then the people can see it. Make <laughs> it on YouTube or something. Uh, thanks for coming in. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Now leaving Nerdist.com.